Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. There we go. What's up, STS Nation? And welcome to another episode of Surviving Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. You know what today is. Great Scott, it's your true crime Phil. The show so good, it happens every Friday. Today I hit the let's go live button and it wouldn't let me. So uh, Phil, Scott and I were uh, caught off guard, but here we are. Regardless, we are live. Uh, some breaking, we have a lot of breaking news on the show tonight. Um, We'll tell you why Scott Duffy has a firearm by his side in a little while. And um, he didn't get any new Ferraris so far today, but he did get three new Hawaiian shirts. What do you call a Hawaiian shirt, Phil, in Hawaii? Probably not a Hawaiian shirt. What do we call Aloha. it? Aloha shirts. Aloha shirts. And uh, tell us about this beautiful one you're wearing. Well, this is from the Hilo Hatties uh, selection. And, um, yeah, I've been buying uh, Aloha shirts from Hilo Hatties for 30 years. So went down there last week in Kona and found some that I like and uh, added them to my, my wardrobe. Now, when you say Hilo, you mean like the island of Hilo, H-I-L-O? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm on the big island. Yes. On the west side of the island, that's where Hilo is. Okay. Right side of the island, that's where Kailua Kona is. Okay. So I went to Kona. Hilo is about two hours away. Kona is about an hour and 20 minutes away. And by the way, one of my all-time favorite UFC fighters is from Hilo. That would be the great BJ Penn, who ran for governor of the great state of Hawaii, which you probably probably would not even know. But what what's the name of the, sh- of, the of the store? I thought I heard the word... Hilo Hatties. So Hilo Hatties. So the, the word Hilo is in there. Um, off to a crazy start already. Uh, Dom's mom, 725, best birthday in America, because that's my birthday. Uh, hello, STS fam. Joel, C-O-E, and the bestest of best guests, Scott and Phil from Washington State. Hope everyone's enjoying their day. It's about to get better. Um, I'm hearing a little echo, which is driving me crazy. Cindy Hollenbeck from the Moscow Pullman area, by the way. The goal is, I know I've been saying this for five months, next Friday with Phil and Scott, we're going to debut the new set. It's really going to happen this time next Friday, and we'll have hopefully no audio issues if we can get the show started at all. I always wonder at this point for the new people tuning in if they've already left by this point um, of the show, but hopefully they're going to stick around. Cindy Hollenbeck, not only becoming a YouTube member, but saying hello here as well. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, st- and look, another one from Cindy Hollenbeck, another, and Michelle, otherwise known as Mish, coming to us from Cape Town, South Africa, letting us know she is not a member of the Mossad. Um, however, Varushka says she is a member of the KGB. Um, we're going to get into why Scott Duffy has a gun by his side right now. It'd be foolish for anyone to try to breach that home that he is in. Uh, but first, we're going to start with the thumbnail for those who are tuning in because of the thumbnail. Uh, by the way, um, school started for my children this past week, I believe. I've lost track of time. And I have three children, and not th- three of them have not been in school any given day. Uh, one or two or more have been homesick, and uh, 
the COE has COVID. So all hell is broken loose. Um, and I'm just trying to survive. And I'm truly grateful that it is Friday. And I'm about to put this week behind us. Uh, without further ado, uh, we are going to get into uh, Brian Koberger. As you know, anytime we discuss him, uh, we always mention the victims first. That would be Madison Mogan, 21. Kaylee Gonzalez, 21. Ethan Chapin, 20. Of course, he was a triplet, which is devastatingly sad. And uh, Zana Kernodal, 20 as well. So let's keep them in our thoughts. I'm going to go to Scott Duffy first, just to confuse, as my mother would say, to confuse the masses. Because everyone says, oh, I give Phil all the airtime. So if I go to Scott first, then what are they going to say? What are they going to say to me? Um, Scott Duffy, uh, this happened last week when I was dragged to a wedding. Um Brian Koberger had a court date. He waived his right to a speedy trial. It's now uh, slated to begin. Uh, it was slated to begin in October. Now there's no end in sight. Uh, was this of any surprise to you? And when do you think we might see a trial, if ever, in this case? Yeah, this wasn't a surprise to me, especially with what we were seeing with their big alibi, but then not an alibi and then picking apart, you know, there's other DNA and we want, we're not getting everything we're asked for in discovery. And it just seemed like one nitpicking defense uh, after another. So I think this, this ultimately gives the defense time to really uh, come through everything and, and my guess is they they need every minute they need in order to um to to kind of uh put a defense together and of course not knowing idaho law but when i i cannot remember one individual i had that actually requested a speedy trial so i would say all of my cases and there might be one out there it's an exception that uh, where a defendant automatically waived their right to a speedy trial. And of course, we, you know, some some pled out and others went to a trial. But but I would imagine there will be another court date that will say, hey, let's put it on the docket. And then once you put it on the docket, it's always up to uh, a prosecutor or defense attorney to say, let's let's have another date schedule. I'm just it's not that I'm not listening to you, guys. I'm listening to every word, but uh, Brian Kohlberger's uh, defense team and the state. Do me a favor, guys. Just keep yourselves muted. I, if that's not too much of a pain. I th actually think it's Scott only. Uh, Phil, don't worry about it. Um, but there is a, a Zoom meeting today about banning cameras, which uh, someone on Twitter says here, and I do not know who this person is. They say notoriously anti-First Amendment Idaho is holding a Zoom-only hearing today with no media. Ironically, the one item on the agenda is to set a hearing date for a motion to ban cameras. Uh, Phil Waters is shaking his head in disgust. Phil has made it abundantly clear. He doesn't give a damn if there's cameras in there because he only wants, the only people that matter are the jurors. Uh, Phil Waters, I feel like I'm starting to, I don't know if I'm getting an early onset of Alzheimer's because I keep wanting to call you like Phil Duffy. Um, it's probably happening already, uh, my dementia. But um, Phil, I assume you are standing steadfast in your belief that cameras are not necessary. I am. Glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> can you expand why? 
Well, I just think the tendency is that everybody knows there's cameras in the room and there there is a tendency to play to the cameras. And I just don't think that that's necessary for the purpose of what? Satisfying the rubberneckers that want to watch it. And, and I'm just as guilty of, of watching some of these cases. I had one of my cases uh, that was, uh, there were cameras in the courtroom. Of course, they were very uh, surreptitious. They were very under the, under the cover. Nobody, nobody knew except for the judge and the lawyers. So there was that context, but these cases, especially these high profile cases where they, they want the cameras in there. So it alerts to everybody that there's cameras in there. And I just think that it lends itself to uh, the jurors who are admonished to not look at the media, to not look at newspaper articles, to not look at television and the news and that kind of thing are Look, they're humans, and I just think that they, it's, it's tough to tell them don't do it and then not expect them to take a little peek at whatever the clips are that are going out from the day's proceedings. I just don't think it benefits the process, and I think we just need to let the process work as it's supposed to work and not try to add some sort of theater to it and, and phil waters uh were you surprised at all that ann taylor the uh, public defender in this case representing brian Koberger Koberger came out and said that the defense was not prepared uh properly and that they would need new time more time um there was supposed to be a hearing today that has been moved to the 22nd which we'll get to in just one second any surprise from you uh that he waived his right to a speedy trial and um, if you had to give us your best guesstimate, when do you think this thing kicks off? Well, I'll answer your last question first. I have no idea. I mean, do uh, you think we're talking six months or you think we're talking two years? I have no idea. I can tell you some of my cases, some of the cases that I had when I retired have been lingering for six years and just last month got adjudicated finally. So in this particular case, as high profile as this is, and with, I think the defense has got an uphill battle. And like Scott's already talked about, they're they're trying to pull any anything out of the fire that will give them some sort of a leg up. I just don't think they're gonna find it. And I'm not surprised at all that they've waived the speedy trial. And so they're they're gonna, I think they're gonna do what they can do to get it tried in the, in the media and the public arena um, and try to posture as they're doing. And I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's fine, that's the way this stuff goes. So I think that we'll see, uh, obviously, but I, I would, I would speculate that we're going to see it further out rather than sooner in. Uh, shout out to Space Coast, uh, taking care of all the work behind the scenes here. Of course, the CEO's brother, my brother-in-law. Um, 
Happy to have Space Coast here today helping out. Um, Scott Duffy, uh, to you. So one of the things that the defense made clear, uh, and there was going to be a hearing on this today, but it was moved to September 22nd on the calendar, and that is the defense also is going to challenge this grand jury indictment. Uh, to me, as a layperson, as a former journalist, as a guy that knows pretty much nothing about anything, uh, seems far-fetched that they're going to challenge a grand uh, jury indictment. Uh, what say you? I, I see that as a tough road for them. So I just see it as a, another thing they can put on the docket, the, the schedule, have some sort of hearing that may or may not make sense, and they're buying more time. We all know a grand jury, different from state to state, federal to state, local and whatnot, some investigative grand juries, others um, just collect the information. And you can indict an individual on pretty low, a low bar of, of um, uh, evidence, probable cause, et cetera. So, but it's still an indictment and there is enough there to proceed. And, and then you have another hearing that ultimately judge, you know, is saying, okay, it's, it, that's sufficient. And, and uh, the, the trial is gonna continue. So I, I see this as a long shot for them to um, unless they uncovered something in the in the process where they're trying to hang it up on a technicality or something that maybe, for example, there are protocols in place and they found something or um, or something happened that that uh, defense feels like they can at least have enough to request a hearing. But at the end of the day, if that hearing actually goes through, I, do, I don't see them uh, succeeding in that. Uh, by the way, while I have everyone's attention, I never even introduced these guys. Eggs are on every week. But uh, as you know, Phil Waters uh, investigated over 400 homicides for the Houston PD, started uh, his investigative work uh, right after the dinosaurs went extinct. Um, I don't know what year that was exactly. It was 10,000 10, years ago, maybe. I have no idea. Um, and, uh, he's been doing that ever since he's got kindred spirits investigations. Just hit my microphone, Scott Duffy, former FBI special agent, former uh, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania police officer and a quick programming note. While I have everyone, as you can tell, I'm losing my mind today, Monday night, we are, uh, doing a show on Buster Murdoch. He's out speaking. Uh, he says his dad is innocent. Uh, we have Eric Bland coming on one of the more high profile attorneys, uh, related to that case, along with Sarah Ford, who's a domestic violence expert from South Carolina. Tuesday, we are working to do a BTK show. Wednesday afternoon, what happened to Rachel Morin's killer? Wednesday night, two shows Wednesday. We're going to do Dan Markell with the state attorney, Dave Arenberg. And Friday, uh, Thursday, I should say, is there a serial killer in Chicago? Uh, we've got Gary Bricado and Ann Burgess's colleague from Super Sleuths, coming on the show. So that's a little preview of next week, which I've never done until now. Mish coming to us from Cape Town, South Africa. I wonder if they wear Aloha shirts there, Phil. Three favorite guys. As you can tell, she spells favorite funny. On a Friday night, what more could a girl ask for? I see Tali from Israel. See Nightwood. See Black Widower uh, from the Republic of Ireland, I was told, as opposed to UK. What do I know? 
uh, got ketchup, got uh, a lot of the regulars. I'm not T-Pain. Everyone's in the house. Big shout out to everybody. Thank God it is Friday. Um, Phil Waters, we heard this absolutely ridiculous uh, alibi previously that, you know, he was driving around. Uh, that was the defense alibi. He likes to drive around at night. So prior to the waiving of the speedy trial, the judge said, oh, yeah, well, if that's your alibi, uh, you better have witnesses to submit on September 8th. And the state weighed in and said um, they said that Koberger must provide his exact whereabouts on the night of the killings and any witnesses as well. Do you think the defense, this is my question, do you think this defense put this alibi out there to kind of just feel, you know, feel it out and they realize it was so ridiculous? The judge is like, okay, bring us witnesses. The state says, bring us witnesses. And they said, okay, this is never going to fly. So now let's waive this speedy trial and uh, extend this as long as possible till we come up with a better excuse. Does that, does that question make sense? I hope. What was the question, Joel? Um, did, they real, did, they real, did they realize the alibi? That was an Anderson Cooper question. Oh, uh, yeah, you went way, way around. Uh, did they realize the alibi was so far-fetched that they just have to go to plan B now, and that's why they need more time? Well, that... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that alibi was so... <laughs> whoever, on, whoever on the defense team thought that was a good idea to share that must have been smoking crack or something because that is when i saw that i thought now this 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 has got to be a saturday night live routine right this isn't what they're really doing and uh so but it is what they were really doing so i i think that they my sense is the defense team is just throwing crap on the wall and seeing what's going to stick. And so far, nothing's sticking. So plan B is we got to waive this speedy trial thing because we need some time to find some more crap to throw on the wall. So I, I, I'm, uh, the alibi thing is, I think to me has been the most interesting part of this entire defense and process in getting this thing to a trial if that happens. That's the most interesting thing from two perspectives. One is number one, that Idaho apparently asks for or requires an alibi. And then one is provided and it is so ludicrous that it just doesn't make, they don't even believe it. The defense doesn't even believe this. And so uh, it's, it's uh, it's an interesting component of the overall process from the beginning. You know, he he got up, and I think that he didn't enter the plea. The judge had to enter the plea for him. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a different system there in Idaho than what I'm used to in Texas, of course. But watching this thing happen is it's 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 almost like watching a train wreck. It sure is. Uh, Corinna is coming to us from Austria, where she says another burst of summer. Lest you think we are not global. And then back back to Black Widow in the Republic of Ireland. I'm all K-burgered out. You know what? So are all of us. So let's move 
right along. If anyone happens to hear uh, the result, if there was any of this camera ruling, if there was one, uh, let us know, uh, STS Nation, and I'll be sure to uh, and I'll be sure to uh, get that in. Um, I'm solo today, except for uh, obviously Space Coast, who's on the West Coast, but uh, the COE is out cold with COVID. So if uh, if all hell breaks loose, technically we're all screwed. So hang on, um, hang on tight. So I was going to go. I, I want to talk about for those who do not know, uh, I become good friends with Kerry Rawson, uh, who is the daughter of Dennis Rader, who is known as the BTK serial killer. And there's been a, a lot of news and more news to come out of that case. And I want to get the uh, brightest investigative minds take on that, which would be Phil and Scott. We'll get to that in a moment because um, we actually broke news on STS this week. Uh, we were the lead. Uh, Kerry, what she told us on the show, uh, led the Wichita, Kansas News, I believe, on Wednesday. And then uh, News Nation led with what Kerry had to say. So uh, it was great to have Kerry on. Um, I always touch base with her to make sure she is emotionally okay. And she says and, and is, uh, is, according to her, and uh, keeping close tabs on her, um, her mental health, and she talks about being a trauma victim, is always first. So... Uh, I stay in close touch with her. She, things are heating up in that regard. So I want to see what Phil and Scott have to say about that. But first, um, Scott Duffy has a, uh, a firearm with him, which is unusual, even though he is retired FBI. Um, and that is because an inmate um, who is considered extremely dangerous escaped a prison in Chester County, Pennsylvania. The guy's name is Danello Calvacante, and he broke out of the Chester County prison around 8.15 in the morning yesterday, and um, he's on the lam. Um, Scott, I've been keeping tabs on this, as I'm sure you have. Uh, this guy is on the loose. They don't know where he is, and uh, they just had a press conference to say they need the public's help. Um, I guess you don't feel any safer. How are you feeling? What is the uh, mood there? in your neck of the woods, knowing this, uh, and this guy's a crazed killer. I'll tell you about it in a minute, but, uh, Scott Duffy, in all seriousness, um, are, are people worried there? I, I would say, especially closer to the, uh, to the County, whenever you don't have information, um, people have a tendency to, to, to go into their own heads and think the worst, but the, um, for all, all due purposes, this guy, is a walk away. You know, it's, it's, uh, there are major prison breaks and it takes this and takes that in, in planning, but this does seem to be a walk away. Somehow, you know, the investigation's going on. So they're very tight lipped as to how we walked away. But, um, you know, I, I listened to that press conference and a question was asked of all the authorities that were there. Hey, is this a one time deal? You know, expecting maybe an answer of, Hey, this happened you know, 10 years prior to and so forth and so forth. And I think everybody was taken back, including myself, when they said, no, we just had we just had another prisoner, not not but a week ago or a couple of weeks ago. So it, there are some issues that are, I imagine, uh, the authorities there, especially in the prison, are really figuring out their protocols and the weak links that that are allowing these people to uh, to disappear. But this is... This is a prison. So you're talking about counties. 
This is Chester County, which is neighboring to to my county, Montgomery County. They and we all have these these jails that are county run, and and so they are designed for holding a prisoner until they uh, come to trial or some adjudication to when they are sentenced, and then they have a period, typically about a month, from if they were convicted and given a significant amount of time. In this case, this guy was convicted of first-degree murder of his girlfriend and was uh, sentenced to life. So he was going to um, to be heading out to to one of our state prisons, which are, you know, typically your maximum security facility. So the even though they the county prisons are good, strong, they are not designed as maximum security and so there there are some weak links and now you have two within the last couple of weeks of the same prison that have escaped but of course this one everybody has their eyes on this is this is a uh, very close it's in this, uh, a city of westchester just outside city of westchester in uh, the county seat of of chester county um and uh, my daughter happens to to go to college not far from there so uh, yeah, I you have it's very it's, it's a big college town. You have several universities there, so I imagine um, you know you have quite a bit of parents that are worried of uh, is this guy where is he hunkered down or is he quickly left the area? It's he's not from this country. He is a Brazil national. So um, the uh, from, from what we gathered, there is family in neighboring counties and family down south. He was originally uh, caught in Virginia with family. So um, we'll see. I can pretty much guarantee you he's within 300 yards of my home in Miami right now. Uh, where exactly? I don't know. I should get an Apple Air tag on him. Uh, look at this from Andy School. Uh, Bill was on a lot of reruns this week covering serial killers in the U.K., he looked handsome, giving his experienced input. I think it was on ID. You know, it's funny, being the sexist that I am, I always thought Andy was a guy. I just assumed it was a guy, but I'm almost certain that Andy's school is a woman. And Andy, I apologize for that, you know. Um, but people make mistakes is all I can say. Look at this. Uh, Tolly over here. Um, Joel, there wasn't one in terms of a ruling. Uh Regarding Koberger, media submitted a motion with a few good points, how they didn't break the judge's rules. Uh, they want a hearing and uh, a hearing they're probably going to get. Uh, by the way, uh, the irony of all this is the defense said that the cameras were uh, too fixated on Brian Koberger. I'm like, what, are the, what kind of argument is that? I mean, this guy's the defendant in the trial back to Koberger for a second. But that was. The defense argument was it, they were too fixated. They said that they were going to show more of the courtroom. Um, I don't know what the defense expects. Like, do they want to show um, someone in the third row um, eating a bologna sandwich? No, everyone wants to see Koberger, but they had an issue with that. So that's going to get taken up. Uh, I have a feeling this trial is, is a long ways off. Um, back to this guy. Um, so Phil Waters this is a very bad man. This is now a, a, a nationwide manhunt. Um, he is considered, we've heard this before, uh, sounds like a cliche, but the Chester County District Attorney, Deb Ryan, said he is considered an extremely dangerous man. 
He was sentenced just last week, Phil, to life in prison without parole. Um, this is his crime. He was convicted in the 2021 murder of his former girlfriend, a woman named Deborah Brandau. Prosecutors say that Calvicante, this man on the loose, stabbed Brandau 38 times in front of her children, who were just four and seven years old, right outside their home in Schuylkill Township. Did I say that right, uh, Scott? Is it Schuylkill? Schuylkill River? Schuylkill? Yes. So um, in Schuylkill Township, um, Phil Waters. This guy stabbed his girlfriend 38 times, sentenced to life without parole. He's in the Chester County Jail. How does he get out, Phil? I mean, how is that even remotely possible? The guy just walks, as as Scott said, just walks away. Well, excuse me, people make mistakes. The guards make mistakes. They drop their guard, you know, no pun intended. But Mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, you know, in a moment where they're not paying attention, this guy, as I understand it, walks away. Now, my question is, where is he within the facility that allows him the opportunity to just walk away? Have they given him some sort of trustee status, which I can't imagine, but so I'm, I'm more curious about the circumstances that provide him the opportunity than I am about the fact that he, he did it. So he's, he's a, a, a guy that he's got nothing to lose. And so he's going to make an opportunity and it, and if he's what it sounds like, he's, uh, in the country illegally anyway, which is a whole nother issue. And I'm sure he is at the moment he's southbound. So he's what Scott did you say he's from Brazil? Or yeah. Scott or one of y'all yes. Yes. Brazilian, yes. Brazilian national. So we know where he's headed. He's headed for freaking Brazil. So uh, now with with all the turmoil at the border, I'm sure they're gonna put border watches up and that kind of thing, but um, you know, I, I've had I've had guys suspects that same set of circumstances in terms of their status, and they have retreated. It was a little bit shorter walk for them in Texas, but have retreated beyond the border. In fact, I've got two two suspects right now involved in a capital murder, and they were Zetas, and they came in, did their deal, brutal, brutal murder with a kid that they just, they killed him for sport and they have absconded across the border and that they've got still got warrants out for their arrest. But I want to tell you that case is probably 15 years old. So, um, it's the water. What's What's um Phil Waters? What's going on behind those uh, doors at the at the warden's office in that uh, jail slash prison? Um, how angry are they behind uh, behind the scenes? I'm sure the warden is either if he hasn't done it already, he's trying to figure out how many heads he needs to cut off. So um, you know, it's it's just not good for anybody. It's not good for the for the warden. It's not good for the individual guards that were on duty when this thing happens. Let me tell you what, it's a sick feeling. That is a sick freaking feeling. And the thing, where there's a will, there's a way. So um, I would think 
at this point, the, the, the priority is to find him, and we'll deal with what caused this in the aftermath. But right now, it's finding the guy. And by the way, Scott, did I hear you say you live in Montgomery County? Correct. Well, I live in Montgomery County in Texas as well. So there you go. Wow. I knew, I knew there was a connection. Uh, there had to be, right? <laughs> I think we just officially changed the name of the show to the Montgomery Boys. <laughs> How about this? Since uh, Phil's sort of got that country thing, we'll call Montgomery County Line. It sounds like a country band. Um, sounds like a song or yeah, a group. Didn't they already have it like that? That was the Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, that's, what's the other one? Yeah, it's uh, there's something line. I don't know. I don't know anything about country music, although I do love Johnny Cash. Um, Stelviri said, "Look at this, Scott. You get a posse together. Um, wow, stay alert, Scott. Stay safe, Scott and fam. Hope hope the Duffster stays safe. I like that name, the Duffster." Um, and then a Kerry Rawson, Kerry's take on psychopathy made a lot of sense. Uh, that is interesting. So, um, as both Scott and Phil just alluded to, God, my head is clouded. I know I'm coming down with COVID next. Let's uh, let's hope not. So, um, got to whine a little on a Friday. So this guy, um, Phil's going to shake his head right now. He's wanted for murder in Brazil, uh, Phil. He somehow escaped up to Virginia. So this guy is killed before in 2017. Um, and they do have, and I quote now, this is a quote, um, we have reason to believe that he is heading south and we will find him no matter how long it takes. I think this is a, a prison official. When he murdered Deborah Brandau in 2021, he started to head toward Brazil. Uh, and they had evidence to suggest that he was captured uh, in Virginia, but the ultimate goal for him was to go to Mexico and then to Brazil which is his native country. Um, on a serious note, Scott Duffy, what do you do? Um, I mean, you're a former Fed, right? So what are they doing at the border right now? Because this guy could literally try to hop the fence. Uh, you just don't know. Uh, but, I mean, Phil mentioned border watches. Uh, if this guy gets to the border, I, 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 I mean, my assumption is he would never go through the normal protocol going you know, through the border security booth. He's going to literally try to, get across the border illegally would be my guess. But what, what do they do? Um, is there some sort of system in the federal database that flags these guys if he happens to go through, like, passport control? Oh, sure. If he if he was following protocol, which I can guarantee he is <laughs> not going to, um, of course, there would be, uh, you know, ID checks, and, and so he would come up because there is an outstanding warrant in Brazil for him for murder of a girlfriend back in Brazil. And, um, and that, and it came out through the courts that was ultimately his motive for killing his uh, girlfriend at the time, 2021, when um, I think as she began to understand what his past was, and uh, she was probably going to uh, alert the, uh, the authorities to such. And so, it turned out to 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 a very brutal homicide. So he he would um, he definitely is not going to be using any protocols. He is going to um, do everything in his power if it, if his goal is the same as as back then to to head back out of the country. Then so be it. Um, 
he 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 knows his country and whether he has better chances to uh, stay hidden, it'd be be interesting to see. But it, this this um, this at this point is all hands on deck, federal, state, local, and um, sightings as as this picks up steam, especially because of as the uh, district attorney said, his deprivate his depravity is knows no bounds, and um, and so thereby. They're doing everything in their power to try to uh, to to at least put him in another spot. The one thing we have is a surveillance camera of him just walking down the middle of the street and uh, not far from the prison. And that's the last known. So hopefully between all the authorities that are involved, uh, of course, going to the original, you, get, you go to your family, you go to your known friends, you go to your past associates. And uh, especially prison calls. Is there anybody that he called within a relatively close time to him leaving? That uh, I can I can guarantee you they're already have been interviewed. And uh, you know, my guess is the the sky's the limit on whatever cost to get this guy back in custody. Uh, Gary Lennon watching from uh, the Republic of Ireland. Love this channel. Love you back, Gary. I wonder if there's any connection to John there. Let us know. Uh, Frankie Figs, uh, all joking aside here, Phil, because I just said he's probably within 300 yards of me. Um, and then Frankie Figs says, I'm sure he's down here in Maryland by now. And uh, just coincidentally, uh, prior to this story breaking, I reached out to the great Phil Waters and Scott Duffy because uh, we're doing a follow-up on Rachel Morin, and I learned something new from these guys every day. They looked at me like well, I was a, a moron, which I can be, but they because I asked them if they knew someone in the United States Marshal Service. They're the ones that hunt down fugitives. And Scott Duffy says, but we don't have an ID on the Rachel Morin guy. We just know what he looks like. And he said, that's not the U.S. Marshals. That's, that's such and such in the FBI. And he threw some fancy acronym to try to confuse me, but... Uh, Phil Waters, to you, uh, this guy's on the loose right now. He's on the lam, and they do know who he is. So are the U.S. Marshals involved right now, and what do they do? What are the first steps? Do you know? I would imagine they are, and I worked with a group in Houston called the Gulf Coast Violent Offenders Task Force, and I use them all the time to apprehend those murderers that we had charged with capital murder or murder and we're on the land. And we were very, very high success rate. These guys are the real deal. So I would imagine because we have, and because we have this uh, possibility, certainly that he's heading home. Now, if he's wanted in Brazil, here's the other factor in this thing. So there are several countries in Central South America that we don't have extradition treaties with. I had a murder suspect that fled to Honduras, where he was from. There is no extradition treaty with Honduras, not for murderers. They'll do extradition on dope dealers, but for some reason, they'll let murderers stay in the country. What he mistake he made was that he was bouncing back and forth. He was a barber, but he was bouncing back and forth from Honduras to Guatemala, and we do have an extradition treaty with Guatemala, and therefore I got a very nice, and we had Interpol involved and all that good stuff. So uh, Interpol red alerts out and so forth. And we have Homeland Security that are in all these countries 
marshals, FBI, they're all over the place. And for that purpose, to apprehend these people when they move into an area that we can extradite them from. So in his particular case, the best thing that I got regarding that case was that I get a video taken of the Guatemalan authorities perp walking him from his barbershop to their patrol car and transporting him to jail. So it was pretty cool. And now he's back in, in Houston awaiting trial and murdered his girlfriend out in a in a brutal way and and then dumped her body, which we've never recovered, but we were able to uh, to get him charged anyway. So a long story short on that is that there are a lot of factors going into this thing when these guys are fleeing to a foreign country. I'm sure that's where he's headed. If he knows he's wanted in Brazil, then he's going to stop short of Brazil. And I don't know if we've got it. Scott, do you know, do we have an extradition treaty with Brazil? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, Phil. I don't know if we have. I know uh, I've dealt with Costa Rica a lot, and there are certain, we do, but then, you know, there are certain restrictions with regards to uh, their own citizens. So, you you know, they'll extradite certain people back, but not their own citizens. So I'm, I'm not sure of Brazil what they're extraditing. Well, even in Mexico, if it is a U.S. citizen that goes to Mexico and they get him in custody, there are sometimes uh, problems with extradition if it is a death penalty case. So if they won't, if the United States authorities will not take the death penalty off the table, they're not prone to extradite. So there's a, it's a very interesting dynamic when you start talking about murder suspects that abscond to foreign countries. And there's, you know, you've got to get, I mean, look, I'm sure that there, I don't, I would imagine that if they don't already have a, uh, a UFAF out warrant for him, that they will get one shortly. What's, say that in English. What is a UFAF? Scott? Yeah, ex excellent acronym, Phil. So the UFAP is the unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Mm. And, and I, don't, I don't think I, Phil knew. I don't think Phil knew the actual acronym, but he. Oh no, I did. <laughs> I want to give Scott. I want to give Scott equal time. I don't want to. <laughs> Thank you. And then there's the UFAC. I think that if Phil said UFAC, so the UFAC is the unlawful flight to avoid confinement because he's already been prosecuted and and uh, and sentenced to life. So now it's just he's just trying to avoid confinement. Right. Um, and that's that's for the FBI to get involved. But uh, but if I can say just um, well, we always uh, beat up on each other. But the marshals by far are a fantastic, efficient finding machine and uh, we worked well with them and in delaware we're all we're all within uh, a couple of hundred yards of each other all our offices because we're so small so we always relied upon each other and uh scott duffy give, uh, give us a little give us a little so so what what goes on i mean i'm on i'm one of these guys it's very visual uh by the way i should be stoned in the sts town square i did not ask about nugget 
I actually wrote notes down here on my iPad that says stoned because of Nugget. Um, where is Nugget? Please don't wake her up. Nugget is napping comfortably on her little pillow on well, the sofa. We'll bring her, we'll bring her in uh, at the tail end to say goodbye to everyone. By the way, not only is the COE sick, not only are the kids sick, but uh, I don't want to get into gruesome details, but... Uh, Ethel ate her dinner last night, Ethel, our boxer, and uh, it didn't sit well with her. So uh, it came up um, on my carpet, and I was not very happy about that. So uh, it, 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 it goes beyond just the humans in my house uh, who are not feeling well. Um, but what did I do today as a cruel father that I am? I sent her to school. She goes to shout out to Waggle Brothers. She goes there once or twice a week to run. She has so much energy. She has to go to Waggle Brothers. Uh, and she's at Waggle Brothers today, probably not feeling great. Um, misdemeanor, Scott, I always want to know if there are new listeners listening to this, how insane they think this show is on a Friday. But I, I'm never changing, and I love it. Um, misdemeanor, another uh, friend of the show, she wants to know, uh, Scott, before I get back to my question to you, is it Nair Strausberg? Not, no, not, not, and, and I'm... I'm sure misdemeanor is talking about Strasbourg uh, just outside the Poconos as opposed to Strasbourg, which is uh, closer to the uh, Dutch land, the Dutch wonderful Dutch land, um, which would be a little bit closer to the area we're talking about. Um, but, Ch you know, Chester County does head up. It's a big county uh, just to give you, you know, I'm just outside Philly. So, you know, from from point to point we're talking um you know a good 35 40 miles and then uh so so it's it's pretty um you know strasburg would probably be just just a little bit beyond that uh raul thomas probably uh the greatest comment i've ever received and i hope apple's listening apple should sponsor sts i think it's because i mentioned the air tag i believe um anyone who knows uh What's the CEO's name? I'm blanking on his name. I can picture him. It's definitely not Steve Jobs anymore. What's the new guy's name? He's not new anymore. He's been there a long time. But if anyone knows him and they want to sponsor STS, I'm happy to negotiate. Uh, so come at me, Apple, and we'll get you to uh, to sponsor the show. Uh, Scott Duffy. I probably won't have a show when this is all said and done today. Um, so this so this guy, uh, Cavacante from Brazil, who's on the loose uh, outside the Philadelphia area, probably next to my house right now, he is five feet tall, soaking wet, 120 pounds. This guy would be a flyweight in the UFC. They're little guys. Um, but take me – you were friends with the Marshals. Uh, Phil introduced me to a Marshal just now. What do they do? Like, I mean, how, how do you do this? You've got – you've literally got a guy – with a, you know, a shirt on his back who just escapes prison. I'm sure he doesn't even have a cell phone, right? Um, where did where did the marshal start? I mean, he couldn't have gotten that far. What 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 is step number one for them? I'm just curious about like the inside baseball here. Okay, if we could just for the sake of um, if whether so, if the marshals got it, and typically the way it works in these counties, the way it worked in Delaware is the, uh, the the FBI offices have what they call fugitive squads, and uh, they're kind of a, a hodgepodge of fugitive apprehension at, where the UFAC and the UFAC warrant come in. 
and and then uh, and violent crime matters. So um, and often we would work side by side in and 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 I could see in this case where all hands on deck. They're like, hey, let's let's coordinate, but let's uh, get more bodies. But um, so either way, the uh, the marshals are very much like the uh, the FBI or whatever federal agency that's going to be involved or the lead on it, they're going to be utilizing the same tools. And, and so you're going to start from scratch. It's an investigation and, and, uh, and you have to find out who's close to this person. So even though the prison is trying to determine, uh, was it just a, a lack in, in oversight, something, a door, a door didn't get checked, whatever it, it, it comes out to be, as opposed to is there somebody inside the prison that facilitated this? And then that person may uh, may have information of to where uh, the plan of the follow-up, where was this person going to go when he got out? Um, so let's just say that's that's going to be uh, number one. But the you know the these federal agencies, the marshals, they're multitasking, and so they're if the guy doesn't have a phone. They're looking to see if he's obtaining a phone and where you can obtain a phone. You're probably going to obtain a phone through a relative or somebody that uh, is willing to assist you. And um, and so they're, they're all over the airwaves here. The district attorney is threatening prosecution and arrest of anyone that is caught um helping this fugitive. So that's they're looking. It's It's always easier when somebody has a phone. Obviously, this guy left with what he had on him in prison, and if he wasn't facilitated with an inside an inside job where somebody gave him some sort of burner phone, um, which would be great if that's if if that is true, because then if the uh, the investigators have found out that this per a person inside helped, that information is probably already being provided to law enforcement, which, you know, any, anytime you have technology that you can jump on something like that, great. Here, if they have none of that and he is a walkaway, now it's really just going uh, old-fashioned detective work. Go to every imaginable location that he's visited in the past. You have to go with what's already documented. And uh, I, I don't know exactly who testified in the trial, so you have, I would imagine, the district attorney's office, if somebody testified against him on behalf of the, uh, the victim's um, family. So you just have some protections to apply there to see if he's going to, uh, because this district attorney is saying he has that, that depravity to, um, to seek some sort of retaliation. So that's what they're doing. And they're, they're just, they're, um, they're shaking the trees and trying to see, is there a lead? And and going to every imaginable business that, uh, so you have what looks to be either some sort of house surveillance camera that captured him walking on the street. He did not seem to be concerned because he was walking on the street as opposed to walking through backyards. And, uh, you know, people who live around prisons are very aware of people who are walking on the street that they could be uh, an escape, be a walk away, et cetera. So that's what they're doing now and sharing that information and trying to determine. They, they've already sent information to all the locations uh, in Virginia because that's where he was. So they've already, what they, what they are sending, a packet of information 
to the office down there to say, hit all the doors you can hit and come up with something. And if somebody says, he called me from, well, I don't even know if there are any pay phones anymore. I've seen a couple. But if somebody says he got a hold of me, that's a great tool in order to, um, to because they need a starting point beyond that surveillance video on Wawaset Road is, is the, where the prison sits. Is, was that road Wawa as in a convenience store, Scott Duffy? Yeah, you know, I was wondering that because that is Wawa's uh, just out a little bit further up. Um, in another county, Delaware County, is uh, their Wawa headquarters. Great. Uh, for those who do not know about Wawa, uh, that is a, a Philadelphia institution. It is, uh, like I said, it's a convenience store, uh, and it is spread to other parts of the nation. But for those of you in the Republic of Ireland that may not know, Wawa is uh, famous in Scott Duffy's parts and uh, spreading throughout this great land of ours, Wawa. Um, I sure hope that Kirsten Froschheiser's photo is blurry. Otherwise, I really need to lay down. But uh, she says, hi, all. I'm new to the channel. Been mainly not in a live, but binge watching past videos. And of course, I sub. Thank you, Kirsten. A great show. Great guests and very interesting conversations. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Uh, become a part of the big happy family. Miss Demeanor says, uh, Shawshank Redemption, check the wall behind the Playboy uh, girl poster. Phil uh, Waters, my question to you, you bust your ass. You, you do all your investigative work on this murder. You get this guy a conviction, life without parole. And then your phone rings and someone says, uh, Detective Waters, uh, your suspect is gone. How annoyed would you be? What would your reaction be if this was your case? What would you do? Well, I would think I would be brought into that aspect of the investigation to whatever degree I can assist. And to add to what Scott's already offered, they're also going to be looking at any uh, auto thefts, possible hijacking for car, carjackings, or any other types of thefts, whether he's stealing clothes to change his appearance, uh, stealing food, that kind of thing. So they're going to start that that circle is going to begin where he walked away and then they'll start expanding that out to see car thefts that occurred, possible carjackings that occurred, thefts that occurred to see if there's some sort of a trail that may lead to where he is headed to. So there's a, it's a full blown, I mean, you talk about a, especially in something like this where you have somebody that escapes uh, from a, from a prison, that uh or a county jail whatever that may be a facility that's that's holding convicted people and it's a it's a uh, it's a full-blown operation and every they're going to pull every resource in that's available to find this guy uh chelsea whitaker uh hilo hattie could sponsor the show or ferrari another Great suggestions on a serious minor series. Now, if anyone really does know a sponsor, because that's our next step here, um, got to pay the bills. Uh, surviving Survivor Gmail, send them my way and we'll figure it out. Look at this. Felicia here says, uh, Wawa, my first Wawa was in Philly and Delaware. Um, Caroline Miller here says, agree, you have to know the geography of every state, having lived and traveled uh, all 49 states. I believe there are 50. Uh, I know the land. Uh, you got to get out to uh, 
Stillwater State. Um, and look at this, Adam. With no with no indication why a ten dollars super sticker. Thank you to Adam. Greatly appreciate that. Welcome to the uh, STS family. Um, bottom line question, Scott Duffy: uh, Do they catch this guy, and how soon? Oh, like Phil said before, they'll definitely catch him. Right? They uh, there's there's no doubt they will capture him, um, dead or alive. They will find him. So it's uh, it's all hands on deck. This is not, um, you know, county prisons. They probably have more walkaways than the news will hear about because they are typically low level nonviolent offenders. Uh, the county prisons also house, for example, weekend DUI offenders that have been sentenced. They'll go to work during the week and go to jail for the weekend. It's the same jail. So they're all housed uh, in in, you know, in that jail. Uh, but this guy and the district attorney in her press conference was not mincing any words with regards to how dangerous this person was or is. And the type of um, if he is uh, a scene that he is not to be um, approached in any way. But, you know, of course, to call uh, 911 or whatever uh, the way to get a hold of law enforcement. But they they will find him. there is a a uh, very strong will, determination, and uh, as Phil indicated earlier, whatever happened, the investigation that led to this is going to be put on the back burner, unless, of course, it's something that, that's of an inside job, thereby you have a potential witness and additional info. But um, now it's all, everybody has one mind, one job, and uh, find him and uh, ensure no one else is, is injured. Um, Caroline Miller, uh, two questions for you. Uh, Phil, Scott brought up an interesting point. Um, if you testified on behalf of the state or, or the government in this case against this guy, you could be a target. Um, do they have to get all these people protection now so he doesn't go into their house and stab them? Is that a big concern? And Caroline's question uh, do they send a scent dog? Is there any way to send a scent dog if they don't have a scent to send it on? That's hard to say a lot of, if you said that a lot. of That's like uh, whatever, the seashells thing. What is the seashells thing? You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, my brain is gone today. Phil? Seashells um, by the seashore. Seashells, yeah, that one. Yeah, that's hard to say sometimes. Um, so, Phil, <laughs> is this guy going to try to get these uh, witnesses or, the, or is he just – He's just trying to save himself right now. And can they use a dog if they don't have a scent? I would imagine there's been contact made with the witnesses. My sense is that he's wanting to get back south. He doesn't have time to uh, facilitate any kind of revenge. And regarding the dogs, I know the prisons in Texas are well stocked with tracking dogs bloodhounds and if they get somebody that does what this guy's done they get them on it and they will track them as far as they can track that scent now if he gets into a car that's the end of it but they may get to a point where they can track him to a another point of departure and in whatever other he may have gotten on a bus for all we know so but I, I would imagine that again pulling out all the stops i would imagine they're they're, they're utilizing tracking dogs. I would think they have, Scott would probably know better than I, that they have tracking dogs in the 
in these prison facilities in Pennsylvania. So, so how far away can a dog pick up a scent from? How far away? Yes. What What do you mean? Like, I mean, if they if they pick up a scent, like, I mean, like, how how far can a dog track you? I guess is my question. Like, from as long as they're on, as long as they're on the scent. Yeah, I mean, but so they they've got to follow. I guess my question is from how from how far away can they pick up a scent? In other words, if there is, if he is four hundred yards down the road and they've got a scent, will he pick it up from four hundred yards away? Is, am I making? Well, sense? if they're getting that close to him, and the wind is in the right direction, he, that that question is probably offered better to a, a, a dog handler. But uh, I I would sense my my sense would be is that. If that, if the scent gets caught by the dog, however that happens, the dog will will pick up the scent and head that direction. These 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 tracking dogs are amazing. I mean, I watched them work. They're uh, we used to we had canine officers in patrol when I was in patrol in Houston, and we would have a suspect that would flee from us. We call for a canine. They bring the canine in, and by golly, those dogs found them. And that was not good for them when they found it. So uh, you do not want to be caught by a tracking canine dog. At least that's been my experience. They were very quickly ready to give up. Let me tell you something. When I was a reporter in Tucson, Arizona, there's an Air Force base there. And there was it was during uh, the war uh, over in the Gulf. And they were deploying these dogs. And... Uh, they decided it'd be a good idea to put me in one of those suits on an open field uh, at the Air Force Base. And they let those dogs, they were Bel- uh, Belgian Malinois, loose on me. I have never felt power like that. I toppled over. I looked like, you know, Gumby in a big old suit like this. And then uh, they just grab the inside of your leg or your arm and you go flying. And they come from out of nowhere. It was, um, it was a lot of fun and scary as hell. Uh, Phil, a final question about this. By the way, Chelsea Whitaker, I'm still not a big friend of the show. Chelsea, you're a giant friend of the show, not just a big friend. I see you all the time. Uh, thank you for being here. Appreciate you being here and uh, love having you here. Um, here's an interesting question before we round, uh, round this out. Uh, will he take a hostage, Scott Duffy, if cornered? What do you think? I, I think the district attorney was indicating that uh, there's there's no she was very specific. There's no boundary to his depravity, and so thereby um, and and you know this 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 is an individual who's not uh, who's already knows that his his life is over on the streets. He's um, he is forever going to be in jail here in the United States. I, and I would not even know how that works with regards to um, how Brazil wants to go ahead and proceed with with their prosecution. Um, so either way, this is somebody who, who in my mind, would do whatever it takes um, to to stay as free as he can. So it's uh, it's it's there's there's nothing I think you could say enough to say. If 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 for whatever reason somebody sees him or thinks they see him, uh, don't try to 
Don't try to be a cowboy. Don't try to do anything other than note the date, the time, exactly where you're at, and get on your cell phone, dial nine one one, and that's that's pretty much. But th- that with that with somebody like this of this degree, who's uh, who's already been convicted of first degree murder, I think it's safe to say there's no telling what he would do to stay out. Raul Thomas uh, says the tracking dog will start where he escaped, which I guess is an obvious point that I was trying to make but couldn't say it coherently. And Adam Lamparello says dogs have been able to smell scents 12 miles away. Uh, Phil Waters, I have a final question for you on this, and we'll move on to BTK. Uh, in today's day and world, you went to your Hilo Hattie store. You probably didn't even swipe your credit card. You may have just tapped it. Um, we've got Instagram. We can do a show uh, live to Australia and South Africa from uh, our home studio in Miami. But at the end of the day, law enforcement relies on a four-legged creature, on a dog. Uh, Why is that in this day and age? Why are dogs so superior to technology even today, Phil? Well, because they are organic to the the human condition, right? I mean, they're 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 awesome dogs serve a whole lot of purposes and all the technical stuff i have found that in every case that i worked and and the cases that were complicated or in search for people um what gets them solved is just good old-fashioned detective work and the technology and all that other stuff is just it adds to the later product in a prosecution, but nothing beats getting out there and going face to face with people and meeting and talking to people and getting off these stupid phones with the texting and the emails and all this crap. It just uh, depersonalizes the whole process of an investigation. And I always, uh, and, and so when you bring in, I always love bringing the dogs in if we needed to. Uh, I, I, I love watching them work and they have a, they have the ability to do something that we as humans cannot do. And, uh, so we, we supplement, supplement our investigative efforts with a great resource, like a, like a tracking dog or a dope dog or a, a, a bomb dog. You know, they all have d- different functions or, or just a, just a, a patrol dog that's used to, uh, facilitate the arrests of suspects. So, you know, it's just, it's just another great law enforcement resource. It's been around for a, for a long, long time. Dogs have been around for a long, long time. I mean, they're dogs are worshiped in gods in some cultures. So, uh, you know, and I always, I always say this and this will get them going. I'm sure. And I don't know if I've said it here. I, I know what's coming. I know what's coming and I love it. So I asked you the question. I wanted to get to okay, this. Okay. So I'm just going to tell you, and this is not a chop, by the way, this is a gesture. Yeah. Um, so what I'm about to tell you is truth. There is a reason why dog spelled backwards is God. And it is because God created a dog to show his unconditional love for us. And if you think about it, whenever you come to your dog, that dog doesn't matter what mood you're in. They are always glad to see you. 
and cover you up with love. So that is my final comment today on dogs. Beautifully said. Exactly why I asked the question. I trapped Phil because I knew we were going to get to that, and I love it. Uh, Miss Wielassie says dogs have a zillion more senses in their nose than humans. Uh, that is a precise number, a zillion more. Highly trained dogs. Uh, sensory excellent training, fierce fighters. Uh, Andy School says so cool to see how takedowns occur, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then we've got, um, look at this, Australia. Uh, we've got a dog lover here. Um, we've got a Wawa lover. We even have an address, one on 441 and Broward Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale. That is, uh, hopefully that's not where this guy is right now, but it's close to me. He could be there. Hopefully he's not at that Wawa. Um, dogs are the bomb. They know how to sniff bombs, that's for sure. So, um, And then we've got England in the house. I love this. And uh, Century Combustion, how dare you? She says, I miss the bozo horn. Please, had enough of that. Um, there was a moment a few minutes ago where I thought I might just collapse on my keyboard, but we're going to keep going here, everyone. We're going to keep going. Um, I'm not complaining at all. It's also 140. Well, it will add a whole new element to the show. You guys just have to keep going on without me as I'm face-planted. So this is um, obviously all serious stuff. This is a little more... Um, serious is something that, uh, as I mentioned, we've had Kerry Rawson on. Um, so BTK, there are potentially five new victims. Um, he confessed back in 2005 to murdering 10 people. And I believe he began in the early 1970s all the way through the two thousands. Um, he's a loving father by all accounts. He was a president of his church. Uh, Dennis Rader was, and uh, he was a Boy Scouts leader. But now they say that he might be responsible for at least five more unsolved murders. Uh, and they have a name for uh, two of them. One is Cindy Kenny. She went missing from a laundromat in 1976. She was a cheerleader, uh, just 16 years old. And then Shauna Garber, uh, who went missing out of Missouri back in 1990, um, Scott Duffy, are you at all surprised that a, a notorious serial killer, he's incarcerated, confesses to 10 murders. He's been in there since 2005. That's 18 years. And suddenly uh, investigations are opening up. One of the reasons is that a sheriff uh, in Oklahoma reopened the case. They dug up around Carrie's childhood home where she grew up with Dennis Rader, and they found what is believed to be a pantyhose ligature. And uh, we obviously don't know all the details, but it seems like they are on to some significant leads in other cases 18 years after he confessed. Are you surprised? No, not not especially for a notorious serial killer. I, I You know, of the serial killers that ha I have gone in and listened to with regards to law enforcement, talking about them, I believe, and I think this was a Texas... Um, guy by the name of Sam Little and uh, notorious these they're just um, there's no doubt in my mind that there are always going to be unsolved and and Ted Bundy was notorious before he was put to death of always trying to to slowly give up a little bit more 
because there is that whole game of manipulation and attention and and playing around with uh, with investigators that are trying to now get inside their head, right? All the behavioral science that comes to them after the fact. And, and I think they enjoy this sense of attention and, um, and so be it. And, the, and then they'll drop hints of, Hey, there, there are others out there. So don't, don't forget about me. That's, that's where I can see this going. It does surprise me that, um, that he hasn't been putting out more information, whether it be through law enforcement or some other interview or whatnot, to say there are others and I'm just waiting for the right time. He, he has, uh, for, for quite a long time now, kept it close to the vest, as opposed to putting it out there, even trying to manipulate authorities, whether or not he has information for additional people that he has killed and just kind of dangling that, uh, that, that carrot. Um, so it, 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 but it would not surprise me that there are absolutely additional victims and, um, hopefully the, the, the investigators get what they need, uh, in order to get a, another charge on him. Just keep bringing these charges. Don't, don't, don't ever stop just because you've, you convicted him of one or more. Um, as long as somebody is uh, missing or or dead and and their crime has not been solved absolutely um you need to take this to to, to as far as it can go um there's so many areas to go here um go ahead phil waters you have your hand raised i appreciate that never necessary well you know i'm just trying to be more uh, composed here and, and more under control mm-hmm. uh, the uh, this BTK thing with your first question about why all of a sudden are we doing these things? I think a lot of it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, but I, I think a lot of it just has to do with Carrie, with the daughter. She's, from what I have seen, has really become an advocate for these victims and their families, and she is on a crusade for lack of a better term, to bring about some sense of justice to these cases that have not been heretofore tied to to her father. And she's been in discussions with him. He's 78 years old. People need to remember this guy's, he's an old dude, and he wasn't cooperative in the beginning. He's not being cooperative now. And the only reason there's new information coming out at all is because she has been in there having discussions with him. So she was in there, as I understand it, in some discussion. And this may have been on, I think this was on actually your your broadcast, Joel, where she was describing, asking him, how many, how many yeah. people are we talking about? And yeah. he was he was doing this, and it was he was convicted of 10. He held so up uh, you would think that he would say, you know, this and this or this to say the 10. But he's doing the, he's like putting zeros. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that, Phil, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, There's, there's a million tentacles and I have a feeling this story is going to become much larger than it is back to the carry point real quick. So I've got to say, not just because she's a friend, 
but uh, she feels a real responsibility to the family's victims, which I don't think we see that often. often. Well, and she and she shouldn't, but she does. That's what's awesome about her. Yeah, she. Yeah, I mean, her dad did his thing. Um, She's not responsible, but she obviously feels that way, and she is making it kind of her life's mission now to solve these crimes for the victims' families. And we don't know how many more, if any, that there are, but right now uh, there are at least two. But one of the, I mean, there's, again, there's a million places to go. By the way, Misdemeanor says BTK is jealous of Kerry getting all the attention. Did he give them a lead? They found a lead in a diary, uh, Scott Duffy, um, and it had to do, so this woman, Cindy Kinney, went missing in 1976, a 16-year-old cheerleader. She was she went missing from a laundromat. And when they went back to his diaries from 2000, Kerry explained this. So he has different sets of diaries, but they found one which was first described as a diary from the 70s, but then it turns out it's a diary from right before he was caught in 2004, I believe. And in that diary, he writes about a quote-unquote bad laundry day and just those three words was enough for these new investigators to say wait bad laundry day laundromat she went missing um scott duffy these are the tiniest of clues that can crack open cases i mean it's so meticulous um i know for one for my you know myself and i'm not an investigator like you guys it's just it's so painstaking um how do you find these little things so many years later? And was that a big miss the first go round? Yeah, so I, you know, I don't know enough uh, to, to comment or at least to give any criticism because it seems like um, it's just fantastic investigative tenacity that nothing is forgotten. And, and just hearing the fact that, you know, a couple of words of a bad laundry day and so many years where, you know, you have fresh eyes, you have a new investigator, whatever it is, I, um, with regards to looking at some of these cold cases and and just to have time to reach out and say, hey, um, did I hear something pr- uh, printed in a newspaper or said on a news or can I look at this or look at that and see if there's any connection? I, ju- I just I just think it's fantastic to hear uh, first, what you guys are saying with regards to Carrie and, and just driving this train, but then law enforcement in so many different areas saying there may be something there. And let me see if um, if I could turn it into a piece of evidence. So I, I just I, it's it's that old law enforcement um tenacity where you have an investigator that, you know, if something got by them. They, they absolutely carried with them day and night trying to say, what did I miss? What is it? What what can I do to to turn the page and and advance uh, this case? So I just I mean, I'm just kind of here real time fascinated by but what I'm listening to and, and the fact that law enforcement are making uh, um, some 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 good progress. Phil Waters, I know you have your hand raised. You are the uh, the master of this. I actually need to go to the bathroom. I just wanted to be no, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, but but let me let me uh, let me talk about the this kind of what we're 
discussion here. So yes. um, the the gal uh, uh, Carrie. Uh, no, no, uh, Cynthia. Cindy, uh, Cindy, Cindy Kenny. Cynthia Kenny went missing in '76 from a laundromat in, in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And that little little uh, note uh, in the book where it said uh, "PJ Bad Wash Day" mm-hmm. that is now revealed. That's what I think prompts that sheriff to, because she, the 16 year old girl. Uh, Cynthia was uh, abducted from a laundromat. That's where she was last seen. That happened in 1976. They tracked back the activities of BTK to 74. And as that progresses forward, he is he's refining his methodology because he has to satisfy this particular desire that he has to, I mean, this, 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 have you seen the pictures that have come out? Yes. So now we've got these pictures of this guy who is dressing up in some of the trophies that he took from these folks, these, these uh, young women that he murdered. And he is posing himself in their clothes, wearing wigs in some of them and showing what he did to them. And I read where Carrie's talked about where she is seeing some of these pictures, and these are take these these things are taking place in her grandparents' house. She's seeing some blanket that he's standing on that she said she used to sleep on, and then she's looking at some of the stuff that's on the shelf. So, so I, I can't imagine what she is going through on an emotional level by seeing these things. And so these things are happening in the grandmother's house. He, he is going, he's, he's a, uh, he's involved with the boy scouts. He's going out in the woods at some of these locations. And I don't know if he's actually with the boy scouts when he does it, or if he, he just went back to that area, but he's doing the same thing, posing these things. And this guy is, like most of these serial killers are, this is all they think about. This is 24-7. This is what is on their mind. It is always about who's the next target, who is the next prey. And then when they have this gap in time, and in his case, he's documenting what he did to these individuals, and he is able to relive what he did to these folks over and over and over again. So now he he actually relives it by reenacting it. Then he takes pictures of it to document. So now all he has to do is look at the picture and he can relive that moment all over again. These types of guys are psychos. They are psychopaths. They are, and they're committing acts of, of, uh, sociopathy but but they are never satiated they're never satisfied and this is all driven by the the sadomasochism uh sexual components of the you know deviant sex acts with these women these victims and it is horrific this is this is demonic 
And this guy, if, if people think that there's some psychological explanation to this and they don't like the word evil, well, let me tell you what, take a look at this guy. Take a look at these photographs. Take a look at what he did to these, these young women. He is the face of evil. And if you want to deny that, you're either stupid or you're grossly naive. So this, this is a, a, in terms of diagnosing a case and picking it apart, this BTK guy, uh, I, I find him a little bit more fascinating, even more than Ted Bundy in terms of the serial, the serial killer stuff. Uh, and because even today, this guy, while he is kind of hinting at some things, when he talks about this, when Kerry talks about this, you know, this kind of stuff, to me, and even in reading in these logs now, where he this this PJ bad bad wash day thing, to me, those are admissions. He is making admissions. He may not be putting details in about this is what I did, but these are admissions to what he was doing. And so I, I find this guy to be a fascinating case study about uh, prolific serial killers. And so when we're looking back through time, it's like, you know, everybody wants to come out and say, well, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Well, look, we're, we're looking back at those things with the prism of what we know now and what they didn't know then. So the, the fresh eyes on this stuff, look, I've had cases where I had pictures, photographs, I looked at, and then we're, we're stumped for, for months. Was this something we missed? And we go back, we go back, excuse me, we go back and look at those photographs, those crime scene photos again, and look at the video of the crime scene, and we see something that we did not see before. And that may be the one thing that kicks this thing wide open. And I've had that happen on a couple of occasions. So this, this business about we should have known then what we know now is just nonsense. And and, I, and when people get critical about these things, I just, I'm just going, really? I mean, why, why do we even discuss that? You know, they, they didn't find it then. They're finding it now. And now the hope is, is that because we are now in that spot, that position, and especially when you have an advocate like Carrie, this is fantastic. We're going to be, hopefully, and we've now got five. We've got five murders Two of them, for sure, are going to be linked to him. The other three, we're looking at, but they look very strong. And look at the end game here. This is the end game, is to bring about some justice, a measure of justice for these victims' families and these victims. And our prayer is, is that it brings about some peace for those families. So we got to look at the end game here and quit picking apart mistakes that were made 40 years ago. So uh, I'm sorry, I, I got on my soapbox there. but And by the way, uh, Shauna Garber went missing in Missouri, and uh, he was, Dennis Rader, was working for the U.S. Census Bureau, knocking on doors in that very neighborhood uh, back when she went missing in 1990. So it's not like they're picking this, uh, you know, out of the air. Uh, there are definitive uh ties uh and he is a prime suspect i believe in the shauna garber 1990 and cindy kinney case from 76 phil waters 
What a great job to have. If, if you're, you're a psychopathic serial killer. <laughs> it's scary. Door to door. Hey, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Mm. Um, Bill Waters, I'm coming back to you on the interview. You can't. I'm just going to do it right now, Phil, because you're not going to tell me because I ask you this question every show and you say, well, I treat everyone exactly the same. I go in there with an open mind. But now if Dennis Rader is in your interview room, you how are you handling that? You got to have I mean, a guy is brilliant. He's a smart guy. He's got uh, arguably a photographic memory, which, by the way, Kerry says she has. Um, how do you approach him in the interview room? And please send hate mail for me asking Phil two questions in a row. There's one teed up for Scott, but Phil Waters, to you, how do you interview Dennis Rader? Well, first of all, let me, let's discuss the circumstances. Are we talking about then when he's first apprehended in 2005, or are we talking about now when he's 78 years old? Then. Then. Yes. Well, I would approach him as I would anyone. Here we go. We have evidence. We have. Okay, now, forget it. Now. How about right now? Right now, I would approach him the same way. <laughs> I can't wait. By the, the way. Here's the only difference. Here's the only difference. I know more about him now. It gives me the opportunity to go in there and ask questions that I, I didn't even know I could ask in 2005. So. Nothing changes in terms of my approach to him. I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to treat him with dignity and respect. I am going to remember those three things we all have in common, regardless of whether he's a serial killer or not. And now I have a lot more information that I can start to ask him about when and if we get to the point where we are getting into specifics. And he's a guy that... He is, he's the classic narcissist. He believes, and he may be, in a certain way, the smartest guy in the room. So you can't go in there and patronize this guy. You cannot go in there and condescend to this guy. I mean, you can. You're not going to get anywhere. You have to go in there and treat him with the amount of respect that indicates to him that you recognize the incredible intellect that he has. And so that's the way you're going to communicate and, and not patronizing him, but showing him respect for that. And remember, the goal is to get to the end of this, to get the answers to the unanswered questions. And I have had, I've had people that will criticize some of the approaches I've taken in the interview room which I don't care, they can criticize all they want to, because I know what the end game is, and I know that I have been successful more times than not by treating people in the manner in which I treat them. Treat them equally, dignity and respect, and go in there with an, an open mind to listen to what they have to say. Because that's all part of the, part of the interview process. You are listening to their answers. You're listening to the way they are saying those answers. You are watching their body language. You're watching their facial expressions. It is a full contact sport in that interview room. And 
you put all those things together because you're constantly reading the person you're talking to and it is giving you the signals and it is giving you walk in there with a strategy but you have to make tactical decisions within the strategy and that gives you the ability to make tactical decisions that you may need to change the context of the question or you may need to change uh, the, the place where you ask, ask that question. You may need to back up and then ask it again and listen to if the response is different. So there's a whole lot of things going on in that interview room. And if I walk in there wanting to, because I'm one of these guys, I'm pretty easy to read. I'm pretty transparent. If I walk in there and I am angry because of what I know he's done or what he's suspected to have done, and I'm angry about that, I'm going to get, you know how far I'm going to get with him? Nowhere. Because he's going to look at me and go, you know, you need to, like, go somewhere else. I don't have time for you. So there, there's nothing to be gained. And even the bad cop, I mean, look, uh, you know, the, the bad cop stuff, those days are over. I mean, in that interview room, it's not about force. It's about finesse. It's about relationships. So I wouldn't, I would not approach him any differently now than I would have in 2005. And in the hopes that I'm going to get more information and we're going to be able to bring justice and peace to people that heretofore have not been able to, uh, experience that i love that it's about finesse not force uh that's how i should be on the tennis court uh it doesn't always work for me that way but uh it, good good life advice uh by the way Catherine regier popped up uh in the comments section from maui hope you're doing well Catherine. we are obviously still thinking of you uh still working on another maui show as we speak uh she says i wonder if his diaries if his diaries have been analyzed by peter hyatt or another statement uh, analysis expert. That's actually a genius idea. I'm going to reach out to Peter Hyatt, who, who we've had on the show. Maybe he'll come on uh, and discuss that. I'm trying to get um, Ann Burgess to come on the show on Tuesday night of this week to discuss this as well. And by the way, Carrie uh, watches this show, and she is a fan, uh, not surprisingly, of both Phil and Scott and is offered uh, to come on with the two of them. Um in the coming week. So I'm going to try to set that up because I think it would be fascinating to have Phil, Scott, and Carrie discuss this. Um, Scott, you've been quiet for way too long. Uh, and this question is for you. It says, Joel, question for Scott. Um, why would he go to 7-Eleven instead? No. Uh, why would the FBI not allow Carrie to help investigate more BTK victims? She said only retired agents will speak to her. Uh, she had been working with Osage County, Oklahoma sheriff's deputies. But uh, what about this issue with uh, the FBI? Why would only retired agents talk to her, um, Scott Duffy? Is that a government uh, issue, a technical issue there? No. And I, as, so as I, I was reading that, Joel, I, I was hoping there was a little more context to that question because it's it's confusing to me. And. I just don't understand enough as opposed to is um, 
So, for example, the retired agents, are they now private investigators working on behalf of one family, one family or another? And so thereby, you know, willingly going and talking to Carrie and trying to get whatever they can that's not already been documented somewhere. And so I'm, I'm just confused by that question and wondering if there's a little more context to that. Do you have any? Uh, I, as to why the local, the, as to why at, the FBI at the at the, uh, at the uh, you know possibility of getting sharp reprisals. Can I add to this? Please do, Phil Waters. I I I mean the way I'm reading that question is I I, I think the answer maybe is that people I think have a misunderstanding about when the FBI gets involved in anything. And these cases are local cases. They're local cases to Osage County and Pawhusko, Oklahoma. That particular case is. And all these individual cases are. And the FBI, in my experience, never gets involved unless the agency that has the responsibility for the investigation requests that they become involved. And then when that happens, Again, my experience has been we had a great relationship with the FBI office in Houston. I mean, those guys were just awesome. And they would come out anytime I asked them to. And not and not because there was a federal nexus of any kind. It was just a case where I needed the resources that only the FBI has. And that's so people need to understand the, it's not diehard. It is a gentleman. I give you the FBI. It doesn't happen. That way. So it is, I, I think Scott, I mean, I, that's the context in which I read that question okay. is that, that just, and that makes sense that, that, so that, that makes sense. If that's the context, 100% correct. The FBI is a resource. For example, I, for, I, I did go to one presentation in my career on one of the detectives from Kansas um, describing the the whole BTK serial killer in a conference setting, right? And, and of course, the FBI back then was instrumental in the interview process that turned into many, many, many days of getting information out. In that regard, absolutely. The the FBI is simply there as a resource to try to, for example, if uh, Dennis Rader says, I'm only going to talk to the FBI, and that's the only way I'm going to confess, then so be it. No detective is going to stand in the way of a confession saying, we're going to bring in the FBI. However, it is not going to be a federal prosecution. It's going to be the FBI there with um the lead detective. And so that's why I guess I was thrown off by the question, not knowing the, the FBI is probably involved in a sense of um, all its resources for lab work, the, uh, the statement analysis of everything. I would be, be tremendously surprised if, if there's not a full report that's been written and given back to the, to the uh, investigating authorities and all these other jurisdictions that are now coming up with with additional information i've got to believe they have they're they're providing that or getting that with the assistance 
and and I say assistance of the FBI. Not the FBI has no jurisdiction in homicide with well, regards to utilizing VICAP, right? The violent uh, uh, criminal. Yeah, correct. Uh, Another database. Yeah. program, right? So, correct. which is the largest uh, repository of violent crime information in the entire country. Yes, and uh, and they they because they they get those similarities and so forth. And I, I would imagine BTK that VICAP was used to connect some dots there and, and a lot of these serial killers. So, um, and then, then of course, at the end of when it's all said and done and it's all uh, brings to a, a great conclusion, of course, then the FBI takes full credit for everything that happened. Oh, yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, Dave Thomas reset. <laughs> Bill's having a good Friday laugh. I love it. Um, yeah, I love it. Jay Thomas reset always on their mind, but just been described to me. This is a serial killer. Like it's a baby constantly crying inside them. And the baby must be satisfied to stop crying every now and then uh, the COE has awakened just unlike nugget from her slumber uh, doors squeaking. This is why we're moving into a studio uh, off to get, Ethel. Ethel's in school. She's the only one away. Ethel has to get picked up from school. Shout out to Waggle Brothers. Uh, Ethel, I hope you had a great day at school. Um, Phil Waters, we'll go a few minutes. There's one other quick story I want to hit. Um, I could talk about this all day long. We, we've literally not even scratched the proverbial surface, but a couple of things that were very interesting in this interview I did with Carrie is this was her first face-to-face meeting with him with her own father since his conviction uh we forget this is her father this is who raised her um she said he began to sob like a little baby by the way he's five foot eleven he has scoliosis he's now in a wheelchair he's about five foot two he's decrepit he's 78 years old um phil waters i'm just curious does it surprise you that he sobbed like a little baby when he saw his daughter Oh, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Look, this is a, this is a horrific lie that he that he hid from his family for decades. I mean, you know that. And I mean, look, I'm sure when he sees her, this is the first time that she's interacted with him in 18 years. Um, I, she, I actually, she actually had, by the way, she actually had not to interrupt you, but I did. She had a no contact order. Um, he was quote unquote cyber stalking her. Um, he's able to, you know, they've got tentacles in prison and he was having people, I guess, reach out to her. Um, so she was a little leery. She had to have that no contact order lifted uh, by the feds, I believe, to go in and see him. But this was all part uh, of an investigation. So they had their means. But, but, but I mean, well, I mean, like we forget, you know, that there's a, a father daughter dynamic. And I was just. You look, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. And he's and he's I, I have no I I I, <clears throat> I and I'm sure it was all sincere. Look, this guy has in effect, he's destroyed his family I mean, all the the victims and then this collateral damage here. And now here she is. uh you know, she has she has not ever been able to live a day not knowing who her father 
is, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine, imagine the worst news you could get about your father and then multiply it a thousand times and you might get close to understanding what she's going through and what she's gone through. I mean, I, I tell you what, the, I am amazed. I mean, I've watched some of the interviews that you've done with her, Joel, and um, I'm amazed at the at the the comfort with which she is able to talk about this. And I and I say that and I don't mean to minimize it, but she has come to a point where she can speak to it. And I think the fact that she's doing it has become therapeutic for her. So I, I think this is, she's she's an amazing, in my view, she is an amazing woman. And, uh, you know, uh, just, and, and, and she's not stopping. So she goes in here after having these protective orders against her father now she is in there and wants to face to face with him and it doesn't sound to me like anything negative has come out of that so we've got a whole bunch of stuff now that's coming out of this and uh, and who knows who knows what's going to happen at the at the end of this and he's in bad health and so there's a lot of lot of things that are going on there there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of moving parts in this relationship between him and her Time could be running. I saw someone in the chat. I don't want to give him too much too much oxygen. Basically, blasting me, saying, "How can you be friends with her?" Well, she had nothing to do with what her dad did, and she's trying to help these victims' families. And and she's a great. She's actually a really great person. Um, and she's been to hell and back. Um, and she's still working on it. And by the way, she's going to be on uh, CNN with Anderson Cooper tonight. And I believe there's going to be potentially more news that comes out of that. Um, and she juggles a million different things and gets pulled in a million different directions. Um, and she's got a family of her own. And uh, as my mother says, we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. And her world is just a little bit rougher. Uh, and I mean that sarcastically, a lot rougher than ours. So uh, I like to have empathy. Phil has empathy. Scott has empathy. And uh, she's a good person. I've never met her in person. We're going to meet at CrimeCon where I'm going to meet Scott and Phil as well. Uh, Chelsea Whitaker says, I love what Carrie said, and this was a quote, and it's funny because I haven't gone back, and by the way, not just because it's my show and I'm the host, but this was one of the more amazing interviews just because of the way Carrie opened up. Uh, it was either this Tuesday or Wednesday. My head is not right, so check it out. It's under the live tab uh, on our YouTube page, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. By the way, the survivingthesurvivor.com website, uh, the good news is that we had so much traffic the website crashed, but that's the bad news. But the good news to the bad news is they're fixing it. It's going to be up. It has all the episodes. And there you go. Survivingthesurvivor.com. Uh, it's becoming a movement. This whole show is becoming a movement. Um, look at this comment. I love what Carrie said. He raised me to go catch him. That gave me chills. Um, Scott Duffy, I'm curious what you make of that comment. And and to add here, I brought this up and I think people looked at me like I was crazy, but, um, and I just got rid of the comment that I was going to bring you. This was a comment right here. Uh, This is kind of what I raised. Caroline Miller says, BTK has to have some remorse in his core of his own being. I think he will break. During the interview, I brought this up and said, 
you know, it's he's in the uh, golden years, the twilight of his life. Um, will he will he make more admissions? Do you think that because of his age, he will maybe get a little bit more soft, so to speak, and uh, and speak up? Or is this is he just a serial killer through and through? He's controlling the narrative the whole way and he's just going to do things his way till he's gone. What do you think? Wow. The, um, I, I don't know because I think there, there are serial killers out there that have taken things to their death. And, um, you know, it's just, I'm just thinking of some of the detectives that I've spoken to over the years who, who have spoken to serial killers and as depraved sick and, and Phil said it so great with regards to this drive um and of course there's a sexual component it's it's this living each and every day um uh to to satisfy this unimaginable urge that a majority of society doesn't understand of just how much harm somebody does to somebody and um, and then and then closes the door and lives what looks to be a great family life, whether it be working in census in his family and his church and Eagle Scouts, and then to have this moment where he now checks out of that life and and is satisfying the most deepest urge of all levels which is phil said it if if you there's nothing to understand evil as evil itself and this is so i would hope you know because we all and and we've said it so many times that any anybody we come in contact with can snap and do things that never planned or thought to do or set out to do. But here, the same, you're looking at, there are psychopathic and uh, uh, qualities that exist. And so thereby, you know, sociopath and whatnot, that is not part of the regular fabric of society. But for someone that's bouncing back between two worlds of sanity and call it whatever you want, this evil um, urge to to satisfy your own. Uh, remember, on every component, physical, sexual, everything with regards to this. And then to go back to thinking of the, of the next victim you're going to do. So now he's 18 years, and I'm a little surprised that we haven't heard more. I'm a little surprised that... Um, he has not come out and said, come talk to me. There's, there's so much more I have to go before I check out of this life because now I've accepted it. So that, so it's, it's hard for me to understand because there are serial killers who I believe in my heart have changed their life. They've, whatever they did, they've done, they've accepted responsibility to the day they die. But then there are others that, um, that I think are just so depraved. I'm not sure that what we feel is remorse and, Hey, I want to make good with my creator before I go meet him. 
um, it's it's hard. And 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 I bring up this Ramirez out of out of Los Angeles to um, when I spoke to Detective uh, Carrillo, it was you know to to he had the same thought that Ramirez would come clean, and he never did, um, and died in prison. So it's it's hard it's hard to understand what type is this guy and will he will will his daughter be able to put together what is needed for these other victims families that exist five we know of right that's who knows how many more yeah well the um, five the five aren't necessarily all uh, two of the five seem very uh, much like he's a prime suspect. Yeah. The other three, they're still figuring out. And whatever, um, whatever that number is, right? Whatever that number. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's the big, the big question. Is, the big question is, what is that number? You know, we what don't is know. that number? Absolutely, and it's in its head. And um, I, I just, I just don't know. I don't. I, you know, the, there's nothing holding him back in the sense of doing more time. So why not? If, if you're going, because regardless of what people believe, and and I think we, we in this panel absolutely believe that, um, okay, I've gotten away with it, but my time is coming to an end. And before I lose the ability to, to, to confess uh, from my heart, not, there's, no, there's nothing more that can happen to him, whether he confessed to one or a hundred more. There's nothing more that can happen to him. So that's gone. And that is an obstacle to get over with regards to, as Phil, you know, that what happens when you first get in the door and interview somebody, they are thinking my life is over and what what is life behind bars or worse, the potential of a death penalty look like. And that goes through their mind. Here, that's gone. There's and um, I got to believe what what's the difference between 10, 20, 30, whatever it is. You did something. It's now become public. So why not give for your own sake? But for, even if it's as selfish as whatever, um, I've done more, but enough to give to authorities to be able to bring justice um, to those families. I mean, that's, that's, I'm not sure what he's thinking and what what would bring him over that hump. Um, we are going to wrap this in one more quick story that we'll get through in 30 seconds and uh, then we'll say goodbye. But uh, Flyover Girl, thank you. That episode with Carrie was amazing. Her description of meeting her dad and him bursting into tears when he recognized her. Just wow. Everyone should watch. Again, not because it's our show, but it was a very, uh, even from my standpoint, a really interesting, deep, powerful interview, all Carrie's doing. Um, Phil, last thing about this that Carrie brought up, and it was sort of haunting, but she did say, uh, and this was played on Ashley Banfield's show from our podcast, that the same blanket he used to murder one of his victims, he brought on a camping trip, um, and he had ejaculated on that uh, blanket. Um, by the way, it's thundering and lightning. The show might be over a lot sooner than we think. Hopefully we last. I last year. But um, 
Phil Waters, just your uh, your comment on the level of depravity of that alone uh, that she dealt with growing up. And this is why well, I mentioned that earlier, and and this is something that she finds out later. So that's again, I, I cannot even imagine what was going through her mind when she came to that realization uh, and the, and the deaths that it would drop her into because this is her father. I mean, I, I, I mean, you'd only have to be heard to understand that aspect of it. And I, I have no idea of what she what she must go and as these things start to get revealed i think there will be and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying for her that as these things get revealed to her that we're so involved in her childhood that she's just now finding out about i hope that she's able to build up a shell that when these things start to reveal themselves that she is better able to process those things and say, look, you know, it's, it's amazing to know this stuff now, but I'm not going to let the past become my future. And, and I think again, just the short interviews that I've seen you with her and other venues, she appears to me to be doing just that. She's very realistic. Uh, she and she is not, and I, and I will say, you know, in the sense that she was a victim because of what he did. Yes, but she's not a victim. I, and in her mind, I, I may be completely wrong about this. You might ask Carrie this, but and she may already have. But I don't think she sees herself now as being a victim. I don't think so either. She sees herself as an advocate. However, she is open about having, you know, still dealing with the trauma. Well, sure. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. But, mm -hmm. but I, I think the way that she's dealt with it, um, uh, like I said, I keep saying it over and over again, but I think it's just amazing and, uh, and good for her and good for her. And I'll, I'll continue to pray for her and just to give her strength to, to continue on with what she's doing for the good of all these folks that were affected by her father. It's, it's a very personal thing. I think it's become to her and mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful. And that is why Phil Waters is a great, a great investigator, a better man, because he is going to pray, uh, which is what he does best. Um, Alana M with such evil, there's greater good. Sandra E best guest on Friday. Great Scott, the silent assassin and fired up Phil, the faithful, Phil, the faithful. I like that name. Um, <laughs> Serial killers will, will never be made whole, even in admissions of their wrongdoings, but they may unburden their soul. Uh, Phil, yellow is your color. Handsome, very handsome. Uh, one Thanks. final story we'll do in 30 seconds. So, uh, Scott Duffy, uh, and then I have a final question for you that came from the audience. But before we get to your final, final question, the question before the final, final question, there's a woman named Ruby Frank. She's a YouTuber. She has something like 2.3 million subscribers. Uh, 
be nice if I had that. We're going to get there eventually. I'm going to surpass Ruby Frank, and I won't have happened to me what happened to her. But we live in a world, uh, Scott Duffy, where everyone's life is perfect on social media, on Instagram, perfect, happy little families. Well, her YouTube channel is Eight Passengers. Uh, she's from Utah. She is a uh, Mormon member of the LDS Church, uh, many children. Uh, she was just arrested on two counts of aggravated child abuse. Uh, her child was malnourished, duct taped the kids. Apparently, this was going on. People uh, had reached out to authorities. Uh, it was ignored for a long time. Um, and she was finally arrested uh, for, as I said, aggravated child abuse, facing up to 15 years in prison. This YouTuber's own sister said that this needed to happen. Scott Duffy, how could someone have a YouTube channel with 2.3 million subscribers? She would admonish these kids. Um, not that I'm bitter about that, but she would admonish these kids on YouTube. People would call her out, and it went on, apparently. For years, it went on. How, Scott Duffy, how? She would admonish her own kids. Yeah, and, and there was yeah. reports that she was yeah. abusing them. Um yeah. There's a quote here. I believe this is from the sisters. This is from the sisters. For the last three years, we have kept quiet on the subject of our sister, Ruby Frank, for the sake of her own children. Behind the public scene, we've done everything we could to try to make sure the kids were safe. Uh, one escaped. She was duct taped, like I said, malnourished. Um, how could this be? I mean, they were public, quote unquote, public figures. Yeah, and it seems like um, there are. Th this is not new, as we've seen other families, whether they they have a sitcom or they have a a reality show, and people fall in love with them, and they get this great fan base, and uh, and then we see behind the scenes there's some horrible things going on. Um, so what what like why would this be any different? She, you know. I, 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 I want to be slow to make judgments, but but if 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 the sister confessed to we knew it, but we held our tongue, I and and so um, you know what 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 happened with society where we continue to watch this and continue to allow people to to make money and to gain uh, popularity at the expense of hurting people they love, especially in this, in, in a very physical, um, abuseful way. It's, um, just, a, uh, amazing, but, but for not, not surprising, especially just in these, uh, of what we see, um, time and time again, it just goes to prove the depravity of, of what humans are capable of. And, uh, oh, there's a big thunderclap. Uh, Z, she said the kids were responsible for making their lunch and teacher, teachers would ask her why they didn't have lunch. And she said it's their responsibility. And if they don't eat, then it's their choice. Uh, Dominique says family channels are the worst. I got to tell you, some of my kids watch some of these. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but uh, I see the uh, the views on these videos from the most ridiculous things. And uh, uh Look at this, right on. Look at this, right on cue. Lots of ridiculous things have millions of views. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Corey Richens had the perfect mom outward appearance. Phil Waters, your final say, real quick. So this mom 
of all things, she would collaborate on relationship and parenting advice. Uh, the irony here, uh, Phil Waters, again, 2.3 million subscribers. She's giving parenting advice. Um, are we living in a just a perverted, disturbed world these days, Phil Waters, where people have these um, public personas? Everyone thinks that they're a celebrity because everyone's got access to Instagram. And uh, has the world gone mad? That is my final question to you. Has the world gone mad? Yes. What a way to end the show. What a way, mic drop. What a way to end the show. Um, Scott Duffy, there was a question posed as we wrap up this <laughs> fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the. With the hand gesture. <laughs> Scott Duffy, there was a question that I meant to star and I didn't, but the gist of the question goes like this. I wish Scott Duffy was my father. He's definitely the cool dad. Scott Duffy, amongst your children, your children, your children's friends, are you, and don't be don't be shy here, are you the cool dad? Do all the friends gravitate to you? No. They don't. What do they think of you? I think um, I think ultimately it was this this fear. I don't know. I think it's this fear of the FBI thing. It's like, oh my gosh, the FBI. What do you know? And I was like, well, I know everything. But what what does that have to do with what's? I no. I, I, I'm I'm being somewhat evasive of the answer. So I uh, I'm not quite sure. Are you, sure? Are you overly <laughs> Scott Duffy? Are you overly strict? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, my I think my wife would absolutely disagree with that. I I I I think early in life I thought of myself as needing to be strict and perhaps some of the things that I have seen in my career have taught me to go a different direction. So it's it's uh it's still out for deliberation, but no, I I have not been as strict as I probably was early in my fatherhood. I became well, less. I, Phil Waters, I have a feeling that uh, that uh, Chelsea Whitaker says, Joel, I bet you're a cool dad. Uh, my kids, kids run all over me. And uh, I'm going to do the other, the opposite of Scott. He started off strict and is no longer strict. Soon <laughs> I'm going to become crazily strict with these kids. I'm going to ground them. I'm not going to leave the house. On a raise them Phil Waters style. Um, two words here, Phil Waters. I don't know why I'm doing this to us right now, but we did this story this week. Lucy Letby, uh, the most now prolific serial killer of babies in the United Kingdom. She's accused of murdering seven babies, trying to kill six others by putting oxygen into them or insulin where they would suffer. Uh, do you have a, since you said the world is mad, do you have a final thought about this and your? I don't even know why I'm doing this to us right now, because it's probably the worst story of them all. But, uh, Phil, does anything surprise you anymore? Let me phrase it that way. You hear about Lucy Letby. By the way, she looks like I've never met your son, Phil Waters. She looks like she could be dating your son who's married, so it shouldn't be the case. But she looks like a sort of a typical woman, you know, clean. A normal person, a normal person, right? Yes. Phil, I normal. My father would say no such thing as normal. Phil, what do you say? Does this surprise you to hear this news at this point in your life? No. Uh, look, I, I will tell you that we made every dead baby case in the city of Houston. 
unless it was a hospital death and it didn't have any. Phil Waters, stop everything right now. This is not your daughter, is it? Look on the screen. No. Okay. It says Phil is my dad and he's perfect. If that This is apparently a new, a new daughter. Okay. This is, yeah, this is Joanne. Joanne, we had to vet you. You're not the real daughter, but you can be another adopted daughter of Phil's. Anyway, go on, Phil. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that would have been massive breaking news on Surviving the well, Not just, By the way, not just a podcast. This is a movement. Go ahead, Phil. Well, so, so I would say we, we had to make those cases, make those scenes. And, and then, of course, we go to an autopsy later now. And I've been, I've been, I don't know how many autopsies I've been to. I've been to hundreds of autopsies and they never bothered me. I thought they were very interesting, blah, blah, blah. But there's something different about a baby autopsy. There's something different about making a scene. And here is a life that never had a chance. And we as husbands and fathers and mothers and wives, we are supposed to support and protect our children. In fact, and this will get them going, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, there is a list of seven things that God hates. And one of those things is the shedding of innocent blood. I cannot imagine what would cause a woman, and women are different than men, for those that don't know, having the ingrained maternal instincts that would cause her to murder babies, infants. I, 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 I don't even understand the concept there from her perspective. So, yeah, does something like that surprise me? Only in the context that I can't even put myself there. And she is another example on a different level of just pure evil. So uh, there's evil in the world. I mean, that's the world we live in. So to say, does anything surprise me anymore? It's usually when somebody, the only thing that surprises me now is when somebody does something that I don't expect them do. If they do something that is consistent with what they've always done, then all of a sudden they've got an opportunity to do the opposite thing and they take it, I'm kind of like, wow, that's something's changed because they've made a different decision when they were showing that they were doing the same thing over and over again. So uh, that does surprise me when I see people that make a different decision when uh, over activities that they've been doing, you know, over and over again. But uh, the baby thing, I always said that, that, uh, and an old friend of mine, old homicide cop said, we've, We've only got a certain amount of those baby cases in us. Mm. 
It's uh, one of the more disturbing cases I've ever seen. Uh, you just saw Scott Duffy sponsoring Dunkin' Donuts, not Wawa, which is all good. Space Coast here says we are all children of Phil. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea Whitaker says uh, Phil has 64,000 children. Wow. Uh, Scott is the good guy and mom must be the bad guy like my house. Um I prefer to be the good guy and my wife to be the bad guy. Uh, this was, as always, an amazing show. I got to say, um, even in my current state of, I don't know what I'm in right now, um, of not feeling great, um, I love this show. I love Fridays. This podcast is becoming a movement, no longer a show. It is now a movement. I love Phil and Scott with all my heart. Cannot wait to meet these guys. I'm going to give them big, wet kisses right on the cheek when I see them. My mother will give them kisses on the cheek uh, when she sees them. She will probably yell at them for something, too. She will say something to them like, you either look too thin, Scott. Uh, Phil, uh, she will say, Phil, are you taking care of, you know, are you, I don't know, taking care of your Ferrari? Are you bringing it to the body shop? She's not going to say you're too thin, Phil, but I can't wait. I can't wait to meet your mother. She will have a hundred comments for you and, uh, we'll bring her out to dinner and we'll give her a drink. And, uh, she doesn't really drink, but after one drink. She'll be uh, a lot more fun, I bet. Um, and so that's the show. Um, I don't want to wake Nugget up, but send Nugget our love. And uh, oh, she's actually she's on the lamb with the guy I, from Brazil. No, no, I think she heard my my wife moving around in the kitchen, and she is very responsive when she hears someone in the kitchen. So I think that's where she may have gone. She's going to get food. Great show, Joel, followed by this. This is the way we end this show. Nugget. Um, Scott Duffy, you're a cool dad. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Scott, what are you doing tonight, Scott? You know, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. It's the weekend of Labor Day, so I'm, I'm just pondering, chilling. Yeah, let me tell you something. My wife's deathly ill. I'm going to tell you a two-second story because I love this show so much. I hate to say goodbye, and uh, I abuse my time privilege with these guys. And uh, Ginger says, love your show. True story. I lived in the Holy Land, uh, Phil and Scott, from the ages of two to five. My parents thought they were going to move to Israel, but it was impossible for my dad to make a living as a doctor. And we lived in a little suburb of Tel Aviv, which became a very big suburb of Tel Aviv. And at the time, unlike America, politicians lived amongst the regular folks in an apartment building. So our next door neighbor was Shimon Perez and Yitzhak Rabin lived nearby. And uh, one day in our apartment, in our very building, still to this day, uh, Golden Meir's, I want to say son or someone very closely related, lived in the building. One day, as a three- or four-year-old, I am playing out front of my building in Tel Aviv, Israel, and Golda Meir, who was prime minister at the time, patted me on the head on her way in and said what a cute little boy I was. Awesome. And, why do I, and why do I bring this up? There's now a movie called Golda in the movie theaters about her life, and I know very little about it, but I'm trying to persuade uh, my other half once she's through with COVID to go see it this weekend. So that is my plan. That's it. It's a good plan. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, until, by the way, Bible study tonight, pizza tomorrow. That's my plan. Love you, America. Uh, Golda Meir. Golda Meir. 
Uh, Helen Mirren plays Golda. That is true. Someone says shalom, shalom to you. Phil's going to Bible study. Nugget's going to eat food. Scott's going to go ruminate and uh, be a cool dad until uh, Monday, I think it is. Happy Labor Day, everyone. Love you. Love you, America. Love you, Houston. Love you, Hawaii. Love you, Delaware. Love you, Philly. Love you everywhere. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.